Praise the Lord. You know, it's a good thing to praise the Lord. Uh, you can never stop praising the Lord. I'm sure that's what we are looking forward to when we get into the kingdom of God. And a lot of people say it's practice time here. It's really not practice time here. It's our very life here. Because you praise him for everything. In everything we praise him. Whether it's good or bad as it was said this morning. And so before I come to the word of God, I, I had something to share. And I said, Lord, let me remember this before I speak. Uh, we always think that tomorrow is going to be the first and that's the new year. Yes, the date changes. That's the Roman calendar. But God has a calendar. The first day when God created the world, he gave that to Moses and he said, this is the beginning of all days. So we go according to the calendar of God. For the purpose of living in this world, we say, yes, tomorrow is going to be the 2024. But in the kingdom of God, we follow God's calendar. Because we know he has set a time. Last Sunday, we heard about the appointed time and the fullness of time. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let us believe in that and know that God has an appointed time. And this morning, I believe, is an appointed day for you. Because today is the day that the Lord wants you to turn towards him. So blessed be his name. I'm just going to ask the Lord now to bless his word. And yes, Father, I thank you for your word, Father. Heaven and earth will pass away. That is sure, God. But your word will not pass away. It will not return unto you void, Father. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here today. Lord, I ask you that you will take every word, Father. And Lord, anoint it. Lord, without you, your word will only be pure words, Father. But with you, Lord, it's life. And let your life flow, Lord. I ask you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd like you to turn to the book of Nehemiah. Chapter 8. And just to let you know that as we all come to our final day, we look forward to promises of God. And we love to hear a promise from God. But I want to promise you today that God will never disappoint you. So if you've come with that heart seeking him, he has something in this word that he wants you to hear. And that is what is going to change your entire destiny for those whose destiny has not been changed. So as we go through the passage and as we go to the end of the sermon, there is a word that you will hear resounding in your heart. It will resound in your ears. And that's what God wants you to hear this morning. Nehemiah 8. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday. If you hear that, my dear brothers and sisters, he read from morning until midday. Are you willing to stay here until midday? Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is your food, your soul food, the word of God. And so he read from morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand. 
and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Let us be attentive to the Lord. And Ezra the scribe stood up upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood, I'm going to pass all these names now, but I'm going to let you know, it's not that those, those names are not important, every name is important. Because every name has a meaning behind it. And every name will give you a message because it is the word of God. But for the purpose of going to the sermon, I'm going to go to verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Because the word of the Lord is powerful. And the word of the Lord endures forever. And verse 8 goes on to say, So they read in the book, in the law of God, distinctly, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tirshata, which means the governor, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I do not want to go into much detail of, about this account, but we'll read, we'll understand, because that's what Ezra did. He not only read the law, but he helped them to understand the law. So as we read the broad context of this passage, or even of this entire book of Nehemiah itself, is about a time when the captives of Israel had returned. And when they came back to Jerusalem, from Babylon, they found that their holy city and its walls that surrounded the temple was in shambles. It was their earnest desire to rebuild the walls and restore the temple that was destroyed by the enemy. Something that seems very common that has happened in Israel in often times. And we know and understand now why these things happened. Ezra, who is the priest and the scribe, and Nehemiah, who was the governor at, at that time, were appointed by the Lord. This is a picture that we can see of how disobedience to the word of God leads to sin. If you hear that clearly, disobedience to the word of God leads to sin. How God had to allow the enemy to cause destruction to Israel's most sacred place that is on Temple Mount. The most sacred place the place of worship, the center of all their activity, had to be in such a state because of sin. Sin is so terrible in the eyes of God. God hates sin. If you get that right, then you will understand 
the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you look in this context, it's a physical temple. And this temple was most sacred, most holy to the people of Israel. Even right now you can see what happens in Israel, how they long for a temple to be built. Because if the temple is not built, they are in a place they feel very insecure. So this was a place of sin offering. It was a place of repentance. It was a place of worship. But above all, it was the place where the glory of God was seen. And God wants us to understand what it means to receive his glory. What it means for his glory to come. And how we in the new covenant can understand that. His manifest presence was seen only when their sacrifices and offerings were acceptable to God because of their broken and contrite hearts that God saw. God always looked at the heart of men and that's what he always does with each one of us. He looks at our hearts, he looks at our motives. Our external behavior can say many things but on the inside the inner man, he knows that man. And that is the man that he's looking for today. Remember Jesus, when he met the Samaritan woman, and she wanted to know, she said, where should we worship? She wants to know which place should we worship, because worship was very important to them. And so she wants to know if it's Mount Gerizim, or is it Mount Jerusalem, that is Temple Mount. But Jesus tells her very clearly, the true worshippers, they're now going to worship me in spirit and in truth. You really do not know what you worship, but we actually know who we worship because they worship the true and living God, and he had to be revealed to her. Now Israel as a people and a nation, they depend solely on this place. You can see it right throughout history from the time the first temple was built during the time of Solomon because they knew, they knew that God is their rock. They knew that without him, they could do nothing. They knew when the presence of God was not seen, Israel was always in trouble. Do you see that in your very own life today? Can you connect something very similar when you cannot find the presence of God in your life that you are in a place of trouble? The whole world today is in a place of trouble because they have rejected him. We know that very truly, but... Predominantly now, it's come into the church where it's become more of religion and rituals and practices and not really having a true and genuine relationship with God. So this is the trouble and this is the state that we are in today. And sadly, many, many are in that kind of state because of their disobedience to the word of God. When they heard the word of God, they wept. Have you wept when you read the word of God? Has the word of God caused you to weep? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because his word is alive. God's word is alive. It's not just words written in a book. It is spirit and it's true. And when you read the word of God, the author of the book will be present. And he is the one who begins to speak to your heart because you've come with a heart to read the word of God. I just want to encourage you at this point, at this time, if you've not been centering your life upon the word of God, I'm asking you today to build your life upon the word of God. 
If you build your life on the rock and his word, when the trouble comes, when the rain comes, when the storm comes, when the floods come, it says you will be able to stand. But if you build yourself upon the sand, when the trouble comes and when everything comes, you will fall because such is the case of those who do not put their trust in the word of God. So it's very clear today that we can see all the calamity that's happened to Israel. And it's very sad. It is a state that breaks our heart to see what is happening over there. Because we know that they have gone into a state of depravity. They have turned away from the Lord. And God who is a righteous God will always act in righteousness. If trouble comes across your life, it's because God is drawing your attention. You can say whatever you want to say. Before you go to hell, God will draw your attention. He will draw your attention in such a way that you will either call upon him and repent of your sin or you will turn against him and you will begin to curse him. Because there are only two kinds of people in this world. And these are the people who know God and those who do not know God. We know that Israel rejected their Savior. They rejected their Messiah. And because of the rejection of the only way of salvation, today they go through the hardest time. I know I shared this before, but God was laying this upon my heart. He said, the people need to know this because many have rejected Jesus. And because of your rejection of Jesus, you are in trouble. And your greatest trouble is this, that you walk on thin ice and you do not know when it's going to break. And when it breaks, you go into a lost eternity. And that eternity, there is no return from that place. Blessed be the name of the Lord, for he has made a way, the only way that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. No man comes to the Father except by me. And that is settled in the word of God. So in Israel, if there is no temple... If there's no Ark of the Covenant, there's no presence of God and there is no hope for them. They fear and they are so troubled because that, those physical things are not present for them. And all this we see now was under the Old Covenant. As much as it was glorious, as much as it was marvelous, and we would love to be there, but yet it was under the Old Covenant. But God has given us something far greater in the new covenant. How blessed are we as the church? There's something else God reminded me. He said, Christians don't go to church. You don't go to church because Christians, you are the church. Because when the church assembles, when the believers assemble, you are the church and you are the body of Christ. So we really do not go to church. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Our God is an omnipresent God. He is present everywhere. So in the new covenant we see that God has no desire to dwell in buildings of stone. He doesn't come and dwell in this building. You cannot build something for him and say, Lord, now come into this building. And Lord, you dwell in this building. Because he says, heaven is my throne uh, and earth is my footstool. What can you build for me? The, it's, it, you know, even the, the fullness of what we can see cannot accommodate God. But yet, he looks for a place within your heart where he can come and dwell. And he says, I want to dwell in tables of flesh. 
I want to come and dwell with you. I want to have fellowship with you. And that's exactly what happened when Adam and Eve sinned. They lost their fellowship with God. God had fellowship with them. But God had to restore that fellowship. And blessed be the name of the Lord that he did come to die on a cross to restore fellowship with him. That is the real purpose of the cross. The truth is, from the very beginning, God had always had this plan. And this is the reason why he created us to have intimacy with him. So when you begin to read the Old Testament and begin to see what happened to them, God says all these were given as examples for us. They have to be applied in the new covenant and understood and known how we can apply that to our very own lives. Because we can go back to an old covenant. We live under a new covenant. So the right understanding of the word of God is very important for us. And this is why he has given us the Holy Spirit. Each one of you have a teacher, the greatest teacher, the only teacher, the one who can open up the scriptures to you, the one who can open up your mind, the one who can set you free, and that is the very Holy Spirit. He is a person. He is a person. I do have trouble when we say first, second, and third person, because in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are co-equal. The attributes of the Father belong to the Spirit of God. In fact, Jesus gave such a high place of reference to the Holy Spirit to say, if anyone blasphemes the Holy Spirit, that person will not be pardoned. A one who blasphemes and attributes the works of God to Satan, such a person cannot be forgiven. So look at the place the Holy Spirit has. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, blessed be the name of the Lord. So when we look now in the new covenant, what did Jesus say? He speaks through Paul. Paul is the writer in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's go to that chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Looking at verse 16, he says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God? Do we know that? And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Do we know that the Spirit of God dwells in us? And if any man defile the temple of God, him God shall destroy. For the temple of God is holy which temple you are. For the temple of God is holy, and which temple we are. If the Holy Spirit is in and dwells inside us, now we have become a new creation. And that was the real purpose of God. That is the whole purpose right from the beginning. So all these physical things that we see right from the Old Testament, Today, they are spiritual and they apply to ourselves spiritually. Now we'll begin to understand what can happen in our life when we are walking in disobedience to God. So let us see what happened to the people now at the time of Ezra. They began to weep when they heard the law and the law was explained to them. And remember what Ezra was doing. He stood on a pulpit that was made and everyone could see them. They could see him. I was reminded at this time from 2023, the beginning of January, right up to now, the end of this year that we have come to, from this very pulpit, the word of God was preached. The word of God was preached 
every Sunday. And many of you sat down Sunday after Sunday and heard the word of God. Oftentimes you would hear, do not resist the Holy Spirit. You've heard, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You've heard that you ought to guard your heart. You've heard that God has made a way and there's only one way and that's through his son. And every time the word of God was preached and you sat down and you heard, like those people, did you pay attention to the word of God? God was reminding me, did I pay attention to the word of God? The same applies to me. If I could only stand here, it means I have a greater accountability. The accountability is more on our side. So when we see those people began to weep, I was reminded oftentimes, yes, Lord, when I have read your word, I have begun to weep because the law of God is powerful. The law of God is tremendous. The law of God is holy. And there is no man, no living man on the face of the earth that can fulfill the law of God. There's not one. So when you begin to read the word of God, the law of God will actually bring you down to your knees. The law of God will bring us to a place where you begin to understand, my state, O oh Lord, cannot match you. I'm in depravity. And Lord, I have no hope. I wonder, when you've read the word of God, have you come to that place? Have you begun to understand what the law really means? We reject the law of God. Many people say, the law is over. It's truly not over. Because truly, the law was fulfilled. Jesus did not come to destroy the law. But he came to fulfill the law. That the righteous requirement of the law may be met in us through him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So this is an evident reminder to you and me that it is the word of God. It is the word of God that will transform you. It's only on the word of God that we stand. If we preach anything else other than the word of God, then you're wasting your time over here. You have come to the wrong place. Because it's the word of God that is going to convict your heart. The Spirit of God, who is the Holy Spirit, he will only operate with the word of God. If we speak anything outside the word of God, the Holy Spirit is not interested. He will never, ever show up. But when the word of God is preached, he will come and he will do the work that Jesus has promised. Because when he comes, he will convict you of your sin, of your righteousness and of judgment to come. Today, the whole world knows that judgment is coming. You can tell even an unbeliever and he says, yes, there is judgment coming. I know that judgment is coming, but he's so scared and fearful because he does not know how he will stand before the judge. So when he begins to read this law and many people begin to read it, the word of God tells me that the letter will kill you. The letter will kill you. It will bring you to that place. But the spirit of God is the one that gives life. When the Holy Spirit comes in, he will give you life because he does the work within you. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24 says, what was the purpose of that law? He says, wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Amen. So I just want to let you know today, you've come to Christ, if you've come to the cross, if you've come to Jesus and you've laid everything down at his feet and said, Lord, I surrender to you. 
you've come to the right place. You do not need to do this in a church. Though church, as we say, when we gather, it is necessary. It's part of the command of the Lord. But wherever you are, you may be sitting in a room by yourself. You may be all alone by yourself, locked in your room and lonely. But there on your knees, when you cry out to the Lord, God is able to save you. Because whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation for your soul is number one. Forget about the body. This temple, this outer covering is decaying. It is going back to the dust. But the spirit that lives inside you is eternal. And that is the place that you need to take care of. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So the Old Testament saints that we read about right from Abraham. You talk about Noah. You talk about King David. What happened to all of them when they died? They did not enter into heaven. They went into a place called Abraham's bosom. Even though they had a righteousness by the keeping of the law, they could not enter into the kingdom of God that is in heaven in the very presence of God himself until Jesus was sacrificed on the cross. When he sacrificed, was sacrificed on the cross, the word of God tells us he did a ministry. Jesus went down. He took the keys of death and hell from Satan. He took the authority away from him because Adam had handed over that authority to him. But Jesus now, the victorious king, took the keys of death and hell and he set captives free. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is how they entered into the presence of God. That tells you today that you and me, we can have such an intimate relationship with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And your temple can be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And your temple can be made holy because of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is not residing in you, you are in a serious place of trouble. You can have religion and you can have it filled up right to your head, but it is not going to save you until the Holy Spirit is the one who will make, you the one, will make it known to you that you are made acceptable to God. He is the one who will bear witness in your life that you have passed from death unto life. If you have not had that witness yet, you must have that witness. And that is the kind of joy that the Lord is speaking about. He says, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. And this is why Ezra could say, he said, do not weep. You have wept. And I'm glad that you have wept in a way. Because now that weeping is going to turn to joy. Weeping will endure for a night season. That night season refers maybe months, it may be years that you've been weeping. It may be troubles and heartaches that you've wept over for a long season in your life. But God says, weeping will only endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. That joy comes with the light, the light of God, the light of his presence. Today, I want to encourage you. Many of you have sat down. Maybe years have passed by in your Christian life. You've never experienced the joy of the Lord. You've never come to that place. You've never known him in such a manner. But today you can know the Lord Jesus Christ. And today is a holy day. That holy day is an appointed day. Because God has an appointed time for you. God had an appointed time for me. I could not postpone or prepone the appointment. Because his timing is perfect. And that is why you're sitting here this morning. I just want to encourage you, do not waste your time. Turn to the Lord.
come to him because you cannot delay one more minute or even one more second. So the law of God, as we have been seeing, is necessary. And as you keep reading it and understanding it, it's going to keep taking you right into the place where you will begin to see Jesus. And when you see Jesus, he will turn your morning into dancing. And blessed be the name of the Lord. This joy that we have is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And this is why you can go through your trouble. You can go through your heartache. You can go through the storm and still remain joyful. While the world says, take away the storm. Lord, take away my trouble. Lord, take this away. The Christian says, Lord, take me through it. Because in it, I will see your glory. Take me through the valleys because, Lord, I will begin to see your mighty hand. Because while I'm on the mountain, I may forget you. But while I'm in the valley, I learn to trust you. And that's the kind of place that God is looking for us. The church will go through such a hard time. We can see it happening all over the world. We can see the persecution of those believers. I want to tell you something. Those people, they counted a joy to die for the Lord. Do you know that? We are the ones who look at them externally and we feel so terrible about the pain and the suffering that they go through, which is real. But the joy that they go through, because they know their next moment is in the presence of the Lord. The goal and the ambition of, of a believer in Christ is to be where he is. Because that was, that's what Jesus said. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. Where could you get such a loving God? Such a loving Savior who wants you to be where he is. But if you reject him, you will find yourself in a place where he is not. Hell is a place of torment. Hell is a place so terrible, the fires of hell are unimaginable. The torment from day to day is actually cannot be counted because there's no day and there's no night there. But that is not the torment. The real torment there is separation from a loving God. And if you choose to be separated from him, and if you say, I do not want you, then that's what you will have. Because God really does not interfere with your will. But he's offering you today an opportunity that you might come to that place and say, Jesus, forgive me. I am a sinner. I have sinned. I have messed it up, Lord. But Lord, please open your arms to me. And you know what? When he died on that cross, his arms were wide stretched. It was to both the sinner on the right and the sinner on the left. One was a rejecter. The other was a receiver. The one dying thief rejected him. The other dying thief received him. And he was in paradise with the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now I just want to go to Romans chapter 8 verses 1 to 9 to let, let us know that as we have been looking through this uh, passage of scripture to understand the law, some of us think that now I am free from the law and I have a liberty to live life as I please. But then you begin to understand what Paul begins to say. He says in Romans 8, reading from verses 1 to 9, I'll read all those verses. Because it is the reading of the word that is going to speak to your heart this morning. And the Spirit of God will work through his word. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. 
Some Bibles, they leave out this part, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Because you can say there is no condemnation in Jesus. Now I can live as I please. But there is a law that's going to work inside of you. And that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of that spirit will set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You cannot please God so long as you are in the flesh. Until you get born again. But you are not in the flesh. But in the spirit if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you it comes back to that place the spirit of God dwelling in you believer in Christ if the spirit of God is dwelling in not dwelling in you you're none of his says the word of God God is sharp he doesn't use a blunt sword he doesn't use a sword that doesn't cut well his, his sword is so sharp it says it separates the soul from the spirit it discerns the thoughts and the intentions of your heart. If the Spirit of God is not in you, you can make that place today for Him. The blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient. The blood of Jesus Christ is efficient. The blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you from all your sin, past, present, and your future sins. It is the Spirit of God who works inside of you who will sanctify you. You don't become a saint in the sense that the day you gave your life to Jesus, all your acts are cleaned up. No, your acts will begin to change. The Spirit of God will begin to work inside of you and He will begin to change you. So now I want to talk to those believers, many of the believers who have lost the joy of the Lord. Is it possible for a believer who's had the Spirit in him to lose the joy, to come to a place and say, Lord, I cannot find your joy anymore, Lord. I do not know where you are, Lord, anymore. Go back to this time and see what happened. How did that temple get destroyed? The walls were broken and the temple was desecrated because they had sinned, because they had turned away from the Lord. There are believers who are living in sin. You have allowed sin into your life and you've thought it's okay to live this way because Jesus paid for me. So today, I can live in a sin which no one sees. I can commit sin because I can keep confessing it to him and he will keep forgiving me. As much as he's a forgiving God, I want to tell you today, if there's no repentance, there is no forgiveness of sin. If there's no repentance, and so Paul begins to say that godly sorrow works repentance. Let's go to that part. I think it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 
second corinthians chapter 7 see what paul says reading from verse 6 or rather sorry from verse 8 for though i made you sorry with a letter i do not repent though i did repent for i perceive that the same epistle made you sorry though it were but for a season now i rejoice not that you were made sorry but that you that you sorrowed to repentance for you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing for godly sorrow work it repentance to salvation not to be repented of but the sorrow of the world work it death so paul is saying if you look at him one time he's saying he rejoices another time he says he is also feeling sorry for them because the letters that he write, writes are very heavy the letters have to be written heavy because there is no room for sin but he says if it has made you repent if it's brought you to a place then his joy has been made full so there is joy in sorrow and this is why Ezra was saying you know what go your way do not weep anymore because I know God has begun a work in your life and I'm so glad that his word has begun to uh, reach your heart that you've come to a place of brokenness your broken and your contrite heart God will not despise because in that state of brokenness God is able to work in your life he is the potter and you are the clay that is what he is he says I am the potter and he says that to the house of Israel he says that to you this morning because he wants you to live in the fullness of his joy so believer if you are in a place where you have struggled because you've come to a place where there's no more joy in your life and you allowed sin into your life it may be very tiny it may be very little but he says it's the little foxes that spoil the wine it's a small little things in your life that creep in and when they come in they come in like a serpent because that's how Satan likes to creep into our lives and then you lose the joy of the Lord it's time for us to think and examine our hearts and say Lord I am going to make a commitment to you today because what I want is your presence of God David could cry out and say it is the presence of the Lord that was most important to him he wanted to dwell in the courts of the Lord the courts of the Lord were more precious to him than him being a king of Israel his position and place as a king did not matter that's why even he danced before the Lord he did not care whether his kingly robes fell off him we can be bothered about the way we look and our appearance and what may people think about us forget about that it's only what God thinks about you that matters what he sees in your heart is what matters if today you will give your life to Jesus if today you will say Lord I will come to that place because I want to know your joy I've tried everything in life I've tried everything from A to Z everything gave me a temporary satisfaction because even Moses who lived in the palace of Pharaoh he had everything thrown at his feet but Moses was willing to walk out of Pharaoh's palace and say that I would rather bear the reproach of Christ than to enjoy the pleasures of sin which is but for a season sin is pleasurable it will give you pleasure but sin will destroy your soul do not allow it into your life and that's what God says your temple is a holy temple and if you are defiling your temple God says 
he will destroy that temple. Now I'll leave that judgment to you. You've got to read that passage of scripture very carefully because a lot of people say, yes, God will destroy that temple, but the soul will still be saved. I know that the soul will be saved for those who are truly born again. The one who's truly received the spirit of God because you cannot remain in that muck anymore. You cannot stay in that place anymore. Remember what happened to King David in Psalm 51 when he, his heart was convicted when the prophet brought the word of God, the prophet spoke the word of God into his heart and, and David began to weep and he said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. The salvation God gives you is joy and that is the joy of the Lord that God wants you to have this morning. He wants you to have it right now. Even at the end of the service, while we and while we worship the Lord and come to sing a beautiful song it says, have thine own way, Lord. If you're willing in your place to repent and turn unto Jesus, he is ready with open arms. The father waited for the prodigal son. The father waited for the prodigal son while the prodigal son was enjoying his life. But when he came to his senses and he recognized and realized his state and he came back to his father's house, what did the father do? He made a feast. There was a feast. And there was great joy in that house, wonderful joy in the house. But the son who lived in that very same house had lost the joy of the father. Do we know that? He lost the joy, though he was in the house, because he was not having intimacy with the father. And this is why God says he wants intimacy with you. He wants intimacy with me. And I just want to let you know today, you can have that respect for the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I knew if I was going to ask Brother Oral to preach the last sermon of the year, it's going to be about sin, hell, salvation. Yes? We need more of those preachings in the church. Yes? Let us preach that because it's serious. This is no, no gimmick. This is not gimmicks here. I'm going to ask the worship team to get ready. If somebody can call my wife, we're going to sing that song. But while they get ready, I will, I will just tell you, in New Zealand, I met a man uh, who's an atheist. Don't believe in God, he said. Don't believe in God. And I love, I love to talk to people who say that to me. And I sat down with this man, and I spoke with him, and I said to him, you are but one heartbeat away from eternal life, dead. One heartbeat. Anything can happen. Your heart can just stop. You can walk over the street and a car hit you, which you didn't see. You, anything can happen. I mean, we in, in America now, why people died from coconuts falling from a tree. Anything can happen to you any moment. And he's an atheist. He says, I don't believe in God. It's all fairy tales. And then I said to him, okay, let's just think about this. If you are right and I'm wrong, I've had a wonderful time with wonderful people, which is called the church. If you are right and I'm wrong, all of this will end. I would have enjoyed my life and I would have had hope all of my days in this life I lived. That is if you are right and I'm wrong. And everything stops after this. I said, but what if I am right and you are wrong? Because if you are right and I'm wrong, it's going to stop all year in that one heartbeat. You die today? And it's done. And if you are so prideful not to accept it, then it's all gone. 
But if I'm right and you're wrong, and you're going to die and you open up your eyes, you will see the Son of God and look him in his eyes. And what my brother preached here in the front is so true. I said to that man that day, if I'm right and I believe I'm right and you're wrong, you are staring down to an eternity longer than your life. He was older than me. He was in his 60s, I believe, about then. 60 years, multiply that with eternity, separated from God, separated from the people that I enjoyed life with, who's going to be with me in heaven with Christ for eternity. If I'm right and you're wrong, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. If you're right and I'm, I'm wrong, there's no trouble. I've had a joyful life, but you're in trouble. So maybe somebody's listening online and maybe somebody's sitting here this morning hearing that. I want you to think about what was preached here this morning.